0: Hey guys, welcome to this this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest, Danielle Hennis, and she is a speaker presentation design coach. Really interesting, she's also a TEDx speaker, and she's got a lot of interesting things on enhancing aesthetics, clarity, to make your presentations and your speaking style more optimal and effective. And just as a caveat, there's some construction going on, so you can hear a lot of noise, but I'll try my best to mute it and edit it out for the audience. So Danielle, welcome.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah. So kind of talk to people about your background, your story, what you do, and we'll dive right into it.
1: Absolutely. So I am a graphic designer turned presentation coach, and previously I worked at a research organization, and I was oftentimes doing the graphic design for their presentations. So they would send me the presentations, typically like a day before the conference, and they'd say, "Uh, can you make this look pretty? Or can you jazz it up a little? Or can you, you know, work your magic? And I felt like, I mean, yes, I can, but that's not the point of design. And I felt like there was some kind of lost in translation message going through where, you can make anything look good but that doesn't mean that you're necessarily communicating the purpose of the presentation or that you're communicating what the client's saying or what you're saying and ultimately the communication especially in a presentation setting should be what you want the audience to remember not just like what looks good and what looks pretty right so i went to my supervisor at the time and asked if i could work on pulling together some research and kind of figuring out like how the audience processes information and how we should be designing for them, right? And so she's like, yeah, go for it. So I spent a year kind of combing through peer reviewed research, reading a bunch of books, uh, taking classes. I had a background in psychology and I had taught previously, so it was kind of combining all these skills that I already really loved together and I made my first workshop on how people learn and how we should be presenting. And over time, that's morphed and evolved and grown into kind of the workshops that I deliver today. But it all stems from kind of going back and thinking about what is the purpose of that communication to begin with, and how do you best communicate that visually and verbally, and making sure that you're thinking about the audience and that you're delivering that message that resonates with them.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting because in grad school, I I learned all about presentation and design and kind of, they had, um, you know, Rice had a a, a speaking and they also had a um, design coach. So, you know, it was um, awesome for just kind of tailoring a message. You never really appreciate it until you see, you know, products like Apple or Steve Jobs and then kind of that aesthetics experience. So balancing aesthetics and clarity. And how do you strike the perfect balance between making a presentation visually appealing and assuring that its content is clear and easily understandable, especially with complex topics, you know, the audience is used to.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, I work a lot with scientists and researchers still. And I think with technical topics, it can be quite difficult to, to strike that balance initially. I think it it takes a little bit of, you know, working on both sides. And I would say it's first figuring out on the presenter side. So if you're going and giving a presentation knowing what it is that you want to communicate and who you're communicating it to right so if i'm going to give a presentation at a conference to a group of audience members who are in like various fields then i need to take a step back and realize that maybe the jargon filled sentences that i would normally give to my colleagues who study the exact same thing as i do maybe aren't exactly what my audience is going to understand right so then that leads really well into storytelling or examples or case studies to kind of clarify your point and those become really easy visuals right once you kind of take a step back and you think about okay what is my message and how do i communicate it to this particular audience and oftentimes with technical information we already turn them into flowcharts and we already turn them into graphics it's just they're oftentimes designed in software that's not exactly the easiest to follow along with right and so it's a matter of kind of reworking some of those things and also just being okay with. Not necessarily presenting it in the vocabulary that you would present it in, but in the vocabulary, the audience will understand and by shifting that that conversation by shifting the communication style it's going to lead to more visuals.
0: Yeah, it's really fascinating and. um Like I said, you know, a design coach or a presentation coach can really help you. um, You know, we'll talk about the different software and the different strategies, but design and topography tips and kind of share essential design topography tips. I know we only have you know thirty minutes, you know, fifteen minutes now, but um, for listeners who want to enhance the visual impact of their presentations,
1: yeah, I'd say that. So the biggest mistake I think people make when they first start doing design, and I teach graphic design at uh, a local college, and it's the same thing with my design students, right? It doesn't matter whether you're a working professional who's never studied design or you're in it. People wanna make it interesting, and that's kind of their goal. They're like, oh, well, it's design, so I'm gonna make it pretty. I'm gonna use all these colors. I'm gonna use like these weird typefaces that look cool. But that's not the purpose of design. Design is all about communication. So if you get stuck in kind of that idea of interesting and cool and this template looks nice, but it's not helping communicate your message, then it's not serving you. So sometimes the simplest design is actually the best design. And that can take a lot of revisions to get there. But I would say, especially if you're going through and you're making your own slide deck or you're making your own brochure or your own white paper, whatever it is that you're doing, taking a step back and thinking about like, what is the main message? And that message should be the thing that people notice first so that should be the thing that's colorful that should be the thing that's like has high contrast so really dark bold text on a white background or really bright yellow text on a black background whatever it is right it should be the thing that we notice it should not be the random like templated imagery that you see in the corners because that's not what we want to look at we don't want to look at the corners we want to look at what matters right and so it's more important that your type is legible than it is interesting. It's more important that your visuals are communicating the message than it is something that's cool, innovative. And if you use any sort of animation, it should be showing a point and not just like animation for animation's sake. Right? So it should be there to like help communicate what you're saying.
0: Yeah, fascinating. And again, uh, you know, these storytelling and you know these uh, ways to these aesthetics in the presentation. You know, uh, there's a uh, there's companies and businesses that help clients do that. And so a lot of these clients they go and give presentations, and um, a lot of them are in science, law, medicine, dent- dentistry, engineering. So they're talking about very logical concepts, but then you know for audiences out there, you talk about this combination of storytelling in a very logical field and so that you can capture the audience's attention.
1: Yeah, so storytelling I think sometimes feels contradictory to scientists and I would argue that science is nothing but stories, right? You're you're solving a problem. You're going on a like quest to solve a solve something. You're digging into the research to try and discover something. That is a story, right? Like any good story has a problem and a solution or the discovery of a process or you're finding something or looking for something. And so it's just a matter of like reframing it a little bit, right? It's about kind of thinking about the standard story arc that maybe you learned in middle school and haven't revisited since then. So stories have a beginning, a middle and end or a setting, a problem and a solution. And I guarantee you that most things that you do are probably going to be able to follow that format. Uh, I really like there's a marine biologist turned Hollywood film producer and he has this format that he uses called ABT. So the book's called Houston We Have a Narrative. It's a great book if you haven't read it and it's about the setting should be your and so oftentimes when we tell stories we just say and 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 that's not really a story because nothing really happens it's just like a list of ideas. And so he talks about how you shift it and you say, I was working for this company and I was giving presentations. And instead of saying, and again, you then shift it to a but, right? So that but becomes your conflict. And the but is, uh, so I was working for this company, giving these presentations, but there was a lot of people who felt uncomfortable giving presentations and had severe presentation anxiety. Well, now there's like a little bit of a problem that you're now much more invested in other than me just saying like, and I was working with people and some of them were nervous and that happened, right? There's no like resolution there. There's no story. There's no story. So by turning the the second and into a but you now found the problem and then you resolve it by saying so or therefore. So I worked with them, gave them techniques, they got better, so on and so forth, right? But it turns a list of ideas into just a simple story arc that you can use. And if you think about that in your presentation, it's going to help your information resonate. And it also helps you find the conflict where the audience cares. So most of the time when we watch movies, we read books, those things are mostly com- conflict. Uh, if you think about like Star Wars, the majority of the movie is the conflict, right? Lord of the Rings, the majority of the movie is the conflict. And so the more that you can kind of build up what that individual was experiencing, what you were experiencing, whatever that is, that's gonna make the audience more interested and more engaged. And you can kind of fill that in throughout the presentation too. So you can start with the beginning, get to the but, get to the conflict, and then tell them something that relates to that, that's something that you want to talk about, right? So that but, let's say we're going back to the people who had presentation anxiety, I can then talk about presentation anxiety and how that's prevalent and make it relate, right? And then i come back to the story and i continue on to talk about like the other things that they were experiencing and then talk more about that and then that can help you be like a through line through your presentation that's significantly more engaging for the audience than just saying and i did this and i did this and
0: i did this yeah i find that uh trying to embed concepts into stories or just kind of real life examples and and what's interesting is you know i find that you know all great scientific- scientific discoveries um you know for example you know the discovery of the nit- nitric oxide for the Viagra or you know crisper all these have to have a, a person pitching to venture capitalists this story so you you know for a lot of um scientific or medical discoveries it's good to have somebody that's good at conveying stories to potential investors because that's you know they they're able to connect in that fashion so um we know we're kind of coming to the end but one thing that i've really uh found is when preparing presentations is i used to always go to powerpoint but powerpoint was like kind of tedious and you know it's kind of now there's a lot of paywalls and now you know now i go to canva i've never really found a good presentation software like Canva's pretty good um and you know for example like uh you know apple uh keynotes you know but talk about some good presentation software that really helps other you know it kind of makes it free and available um and also talk about the impact of ai because now you can create ai generated slides very quickly it's really awesome
1: yeah so i think oftentimes people get stuck on the tool as opposed to the thought right and so the thought process behind a good presentation should not be i'm going to open up powerpoint or google slides or keynote or whatever it is And then I have a template that I'm going to fill in because what ends up happening is you just fill in a title and then a whole bunch of bullets. That's how they're all designed. And that's not, that's just how the template's set up. But if you go through, all of them have a layout that's blank. So it doesn't matter which one you use. I personally love PowerPoint because it has a whole lot more animation options and it's a lot more robust and they have a lot of plugins, so I personally love PowerPoint. If you use it right, it actually, I've had people ask me what software I use, and I say PowerPoint and they're amazed, right? It's its not the, the tool can do whatever you want it to do, it's just how you're using the tool. So instead of using the standard template with the bullets and the title slide, do the blank layout. And before you open PowerPoint, you should have an outline of what it is that you want to say. Because if you're just opening PowerPoint and you're putting your notes on PowerPoint, I guarantee you that's going to be your presentation it's just going to be jazzed up a little and there's going to be some other thing going on there. But the purpose of the slide is not for you to know what you want to say. It's to communicate to the audience what they need to hear and listen to, right? So your notes should be in the notes section. All software has that note section at the bottom of the slide. If you pull it up, you can put your notes there. And then the slide itself should be some sort of ideally visual representation of what you're saying in the ideal world, right? So... If you have an outline ahead of time that you've created in Word and then you take that those main ideas and you turn each main idea into a slide and you put the notes that you want to say in the slide, then it's really easy to take a step back and be like, okay, what is my main idea here? So if your main idea is, I don't know, let's just go with storytelling because that's what we're <laughs> thinking about, right? I could then decide, okay, do I want to have like that story arc that you have from middle school? Do I want to have just a picture of a book that shows stories? Do I want to talk about the different types of stories? It kind of depends on what your main idea is, right? So if I just want a picture, I could go to one of the free stocks of photo sites like Pexels, PXELS, Unsplash, Pixabay, any of those. Or I could go to a generative image site and say, hey, I want a picture of a book that's open with like sparks flying out to represent storytelling <laughs> or whatever that is, right? And then I can use that in the presentation. But I need to know what it is I'm looking for to begin with, right? So it needs to be something that I've already decided what it is that I'm communicating and I need to know the main idea of that slide. And it's not going to happen when you have a bulleted list because a bulleted list is going to have like 17 things that you want to talk about and that's not one thing. And so to go along with this is that people oftentimes are like, well then I have too many slides. And the answer is no, you have the same amount of content whether you have one slide with 17 bullets or 17 slides for each bullet you're still talking about each of them for the same amount of time. It's the amount of content you have, not the amount of slides. We've just been trained to think that like slides equal time, but that's not the case. When I present for an hour, I normally have over a hundred slides, but those slides are only shown for like a couple of seconds at a time because I'm showing that main idea. People don't notice that there are a hundred slides because they're just following along with it. It becomes this visual story as I'm talking, right? And I think that's the biggest thing is that don't use the tool in the way the template encourages you to use it, but use it in the way that we know that our brain pays attention to. And by separating those ideas out, take your ideas first and then figure out how to show them. You're going to have a much more impactful presentation.
0: Yeah, I love that being very strategic and intentional with how you use tools and don't let the tools control you, but you use the tools to convey what you want to the audience. Very powerful. I love that. You know, we have kind of a few minutes, and I know you've given a TEDx talk. You know, kind of that's kind of what everybody. I'm just kind of for the audience, kind of juice it up, and you know, you know, talk about speaking on TEDx, and also talk about you know managing presentation anxiety. You know, how to calm your nerves, how to prepare, and how they can follow you and contact you.
1: Yeah, so I am a TEDx speaker coach. So I've worked with um, speakers who are giving TED talks, and I'd say the biggest thing is that people don't recognize how much time goes into them. I mean, I think there was a survey that went around and on average people spent 90 hours on their presentation. It's a lot of time, it's a huge time commitment and that's an average, right? So I'm sure a lot of people spend well over 120 hours on their presentation, but ultimately it all comes down to storytelling. So when I was working with the presenters and the person who was running the conference, we had one person who, was more technical and she had some great ideas, but there was just kind of idea, 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 idea. And it wasn't really, there wasn't a flow line going through it. And so at one point there was a concern that she was gonna get pulled from the conference because it wasn't actually coming together, but we were able to, restructure her presentation around a story of herself and that story then became that through line to go through and you don't have when you give a presentation it doesn't have to be ted talk style right like you can have just a very simple story that you're using as an example of something it doesn't have to be this whole through line but when you can do it it becomes so much more powerful and so much more moving and so i'd say with ted you only have a limited amount of time to talk you really want to make sure that it's a concise one idea that you're developing fully and that you're using storytelling and you're implementing it well. And along that, if you have, you know, research that you're including, that the research needs to be in conjunction with the story, I think that's kind of the biggest thing that they really are looking for, especially when you're working with a more technical audience, is that it's not just the research, it's the research plus the story that lits, that gets you onto that TED stage. So i say that's the biggest thing. Um, for presentation anxiety, oh, that could be a whole new other topic. But I would say if you have presentation anxiety, it, and there's ranges, right? There's people who just like, I get nervous. And then there's people who are throwing up and losing sleep and they can't function days before. So there's a huge range in terms of where you fall. And if you're on that later end, I highly encourage you to get a therapist. Like find someone that you can work with because there are ways that you can work around it. And there are techniques techniques that you can use. Um, and I do talk about those techniques on... My newsletter and LinkedIn and things like that. But one of the biggest ones, because I know we're almost out of time, is find ways to release the adrenaline before the presentation. So go for a walk, do squats, squeeze your toes, release them, whatever it is, find ways to release that adrenaline because that's gonna calm down your amygdala, which will allow you to then focus on the presentation. And practice, practice a ton because when you get on that stage, I've had speakers black out and they still deliver that presentation amazingly because they practiced so many times, they're just on autopilot at that point. So I'd say those would be kind of like my two main tips. And if you're interested in learning more, I have a five-week workshop coming up, which you get hundred dollars off. It, we'll put the link in there, but the you'll have a link with the promo code. The promo code is podcast podcast24 and you can find me on linkedin and thank you so much for
0: having me yeah and um i love ted because i love going on youtube and listening to them because those are the best ideas very concise and it was something like for every minute they practice three hours per minute on yeah. that um and it's and i love this idea of rehearse 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 it's almost like a musician an athlete You have to rehearse it because, you know, sometimes the slides will go out or the lights will go out and they just continue because they're just so well prepared. So
1: it's just ingrained at that point. And (laughs) I would say, though, if you're practicing your own presentations unless you're going to do something like a TED talk don't memorize it because then you get stuck if you forget the next word you can't remember what to do next so don't memorize the actual word by word but memorize the flow the content the structure and if you forget something the audience will never know so just keep on going <laughs> like i promise you don't don't just go to the next thing you remember and it'll eventually come back to you and you can bring it back around if you remember
0: yeah thanks so much for coming on and for all the audience be sure to check out the uh, link as well as follow Danielle on socials, give her a like. And with that, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thank you.